hello, everybody. My name is Katherine Barnett, and I am a senior here at Champion Forest Baptist Church. And this fall, I'm going to the place I said I would never go and doing the thing I said I would never do. I'm Lauren Van Fleet. I'm also a senior here at Champion Forest Baptist Church. And this fall, I'm not going to college. Clearly, Lauren and I changed our plans a lot when we decided to follow God's plan. But we're not the only ones who've ever been in this situation. There's a guy in the Bible who's had the same predicament. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Judges 6, today we are going to talk about Gideon. Okay, so before we start talking, I'm going to give you a little background to what's happening in this situation, all right? Okay, so at this point in time, the Israelites, who are God's chosen people, have been the captives of the Midianites for several years. And these Israelites have cried out to God asking for his help. So God has sent down an angel to go talk to the one guy that is going to be the commander for Israelites' armies to defeat the Midianites. And this guy's name is Gideon. All right, so we are in uh, sorry, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian." The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am not I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Okay, so what's happening here is that God sent his angel to talk to Gideon. And Gideon is threshing wheat in a rind press, which means absolutely nothing to us today. So what that means now is that basically Gideon was doing a chore in hiding because he was scared of the Midianites. He didn't want them to come and hurt him. So this angel walks up to this guy who's afraid and says, Oh, mighty warrior. What? Gideon's like, wait, what? I'm not mighty. That'd be like if we had a dodgeball game today, and instead of playing, you hid behind your friend the whole time. And then at the end of the game, someone came up to you and was like, oh my goodness, you were the bravest person there. You'd be like, you clearly have the wrong person. That was not me. And that's what Gideon did here. Gideon was like, hold on, God, okay, okay. You definitely have the wrong person. Because first of all, not only am I not even the strongest person in Israel, I'm not even the most capable person in my family. I'm like way down here, all right? So the interesting thing to note is that Gideon only saw his part in Gideon's plan. But God sees Gideon's part in God's plan. Gideon saw himself in the wine press, you know, afraid and terrified of the Midianites. But God saw Gideon's future, the mighty warrior who would lead the Israelites to defeat the Midianites. You see, that's like us. Right now, we just see this one part of our present right now. But God sees who we are going to be in the future. God sees your part 
in his plan. Now, you are inadequate. I hate to tell you this, but you're not going to be able to fulfill your part in God's plan by yourself. But with God, you can fulfill your part in his plan. Now, I can totally relate to Gideon because, like I said earlier, I'm going to a place that I said I would never go to do something I said I would never do. You see, at the very end of my sophomore year, I was sure of two things in life. I was not going to the University of Oklahoma, and I sure is not, I'm sure not going to be a engineer. That's really funny because the, this fall, I'm going to the University of Oklahoma to study industrial engineering. So clearly, my life has done a complete 180. Now, why exactly has, how exactly did this happen? Well, unlike Gideon, who had one defining moment where God revealed his plan to him, mine was more of a gradual process. I didn't just decide one day, as soon as I stepped on the University of Oklahoma's campus, that I was going there. What really happened was that I went on a visit, I was like, meh, okay. And then, as I went to other campuses, I realized that God was calling me to OU, not to any other campus. And it's not like I woke up one morning and was like, wow, I really want to be an engineer because that's tough, y'all. But um, what really happened was I looked at other majors. I was like, I don't want to be an engineer, so let's figure out what else I want to be. And as I studied those other majors, I realized that God wanted me to be an engineer. But not everybody's part in God's plan is the same, which is why Lauren's here to tell you about her part. So I ended up on the spring break mission trip to England last year by accident. I wasn't originally planning on going, but because of some friends and a youth pastor uh, talking to me about it and encouraging me to go on the trip, I decided that I was going to go to England and I was going to serve God in that week and I was going to be used however he wanted me to be used. Um, that week, whenever we got there, I was super excited. I immediately fell in love with the country and I immediately fell in love with the people. I had a great time with my host family. I had a great time at the church that we were stationed. But I was still focused on what I was going to do for God in that week. Just that week. <laughs> Later that night, I was actually talking to one of my friends about the gap year program where people from 18 through 25 years old go from America to England and spend a year there serving God and being a missionary and just preaching God's name over this area called Tees Valley in the northeast part of England. She was talking about how cool that sounded. I agreed, but I said, yeah, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. I know what I want to do. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be a nurse practitioner. Going to England and spending a year there, that's not a part of my plan. Fast forward a couple days and on Wednesday night, I was talking to a group of kids at a sports camp about Jesus, and I was telling them how incredible a relationship with Jesus is, how much it changes your life, and how it transforms you, how because he died on the cross, you can be forgiven of your sins. They weren't having any of it. I felt like not one single person was listening to what I had to say. That broke my heart because I wanted them to have what I had. I wanted them to experience a relationship with Jesus. I wanted him to be their best friend, just like he's my best friend. So later that evening, I broke down in tears, partly because, well, I wanted them to realize, I wanted them to realize that they're missing out on the best part of life. But I also broke down into tears because I was terrified. That night, God called me to England, and I was a little apprehensive. Um, whenever God called me to England, it didn't end there. I still needed some reassurance, just like Gideon. 
In verse 17, Gideon says, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. So Gideon went away and he prepared an offering and he brought it back to the angel who told him that he would be the leader of Israel. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. The angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So Gideon realized the Lord was speaking to him, but he was still pretty terrified about what God called him to do. The Lord called him to go down that, that evening and tear down altars to false gods, but he did it during the middle of the night because he didn't want anyone else to know what he was doing. He was still pretty apprehensive about God's plan for him. He asked God again in verse 36. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. So not only did God reveal that it was really him speaking to him, but God uh, like followed through with the test. God made the fleece stamp and the ground dry. You'd think Gideon would start feeling pretty confident about what God called him to do. But once again, he asks for a test. In verse 39, it says, Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. After this third test, Gideon goes on to gather an army so that he can defeat the Midianites and free his people. And God reduces army from 32,000 men to 300 men. Gideon had 300 men to defeat an army that was as numerous as sand on the seashore. I think that's pretty crazy. Gideon was scared too, but God reassured him once again. In chapter 7, verse 9, it says, During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. This test is a little bit different because Gideon wasn't asking for it. God knew that Gideon was nervous, so God provided a way for Gideon to see that he really was going to conquer the Midianites. In verse 13, it says, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! 
The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Finally, finally Gideon was ready to fulfill the plan that God had in store for him. I relate to this because once I got back from England, I didn't immediately, like, I wasn't immediately ready to go. I still had some apprehensions. I was worried that maybe in the heat of the moment, I felt like I wanted to go to England instead of God calling me to go to England. And a lot of people around me weren't really sure about my plan. But thankfully, God placed some great people into my life, like my family and friends, who encouraged me in every step of the way. And he placed different sermons and different speakers into my life, where at the end of the sermons, I just wrote England at the bottom of my paper, because I knew that God was speaking to me, and I knew that he was saying, hey, this is where you're supposed to be. This is where I've called you. This is where I want you to be. You're not going to college next year. You're going to England. But... Not all signs are this clear. In fact, some signs come in the form of open and closed doors, like Catherine. All right, so mine wasn't, like I said earlier, one defining moment where I said, I'm gonna go do this now. But mine, like Lauren said, was more opportunities that happened. One of the main opportunities is just the fact that I was homeschooled. So I've been homeschooled my whole life, and that can sometimes make it pretty difficult when I'm applying for colleges because they're really not sure what to do with us. So um, the, one of the greatest things about the University of Oklahoma is just how seamlessly they accepted all of my credits and everything that I've done in high school. They didn't look at my transcript and was like, what is this? They knew exactly what to do with it. And for me, that was just a sign that God did want me to go to OU. Another sign is just all the great people that I met when I was at OU. I haven't been there a ton, but when I was there, I met a ton of godly people who were totally supportive and like, hey, you don't have to come here, but here's why you should come here. Um, and as I went on a retreat on spring break, I met my roommate. She's awesome, and I'm so happy that she's going to be by my side pushing me towards God um, as I go throughout my college freshman year. Now, one of my favorite signs is probably how I got to set, how I settled on industrial engineering because I just decided one day that I was going to Google majors. I would not recommend it because it pretty much gets you nowhere, but in my case, God worked it out really well because one of the first results was industrial engineering. So I was like, hey, I'll look at this, whatever. It's worth a shot. Um, and so as I researched it, I was like, wow, this sounds really cool and really interesting. And then when I visited OU that summer, they were like, hey, we've got this thing where you can come and look at different types of engineering. And I'm like, well, gosh, I'm really busy, but I'll see if I can make any of the days. And the one day that I could make out of that whole like two month long thing was the one day set for industrial engineers. And I was like, all right, well, if I'm serious about this, I'll have to look at it. And so I went and I discovered that it is a lot of fun, at least for me. Um, so, so um, and even, you know, God is still leading me through my path and my part in his plan. He's not just, you know, great, you're going to OU, you've got that decided. Like on Monday, I went to go register for classes and that can be pretty rough. You don't know what classes you're going to end up or anything. But I was able to get all of my classes that I needed. And there was like two classes where there was one seat left. So thanks, God. I really appreciate it. Um, so, but God, um, we can go back to the one last part of Gideon's story. This is the fun part, in my opinion. All right, so we are in Judges 7, verse 16. 
It says, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were about to blow, they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sound, sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords, and the army fled. So finally, we get to the cool part, right? There's this awesome battle, and Gideon, his like, band of 300 merry men, gets to defeat the huge, awesome Midianite army. Pretty cool, right? And one of the important things that you need to look at in this passage is the fact that it was 300 versus an army that was described as numerous as the sands on a seashore. Okay, guys, that's a lot. And clearly, Gideon was not going to be able to do this without God's help. And another interesting thing about it is that the, how they fought. Okay, so I don't know about y'all, but if I was going to go into battle, my weapons would not be a torch, a pot, and a trumpet. No one's ever going to recommend that. Hey, let's just go fight with some torches, okay? That's not happening. But um, I loved how Pastor Stephen Trammell put this at one Sunday in North Campus. He said that Gideon had to be willing to fight God's way. Gideon couldn't just go out there with his 300 men and be like, God's on our side. Let's go fight however we want. He had to follow God's plan. And that's like us. We can't follow our own plan for our lives and still get a victory like Gideon. That's just not going to happen. And our jobs, when we see God's plan and when he leads us through our plan, uh, through his plan, sorry, is to follow that plan through obedience and God will be glorified through your part in his plan. So that kind of brings me to the end of my story, except it's not really the end. You see, my story does not stop the second I step onto the OU campus. My story does not stop when I graduate. My story keeps going. I don't know my future, okay? I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing in two years, in five years, in ten years. But what I do know is that my part in God's plan never stops. While um, my job as I follow God throughout this process is to bring him glory, I'm supposed to make sure that everything that I do is for his glory. And while he led me to one place to give him glory, he led Lauren to a different place. Just like Catherine, my part in God's plan doesn't end with England. Yeah, for one year, I'm going to spend all of my time trying to bring God glory and trying to make God's name known in a little area in Tees Valley. But after that, I'm coming back, and I still plan on going to college and being a nurse practitioner. And if that's where God wants me, then I need to make God's name known there too. I need to make him glorified there too. My favorite part of this story is just the patience that God shows in time and time again reassuring Gideon and just... He's not going to leave us on our own. He's not going to forsake us. He is always faithful. And 
once we get to our part in God's plan, it's not gonna be easy. So time and time again, we're gonna need God's reassurance. Um, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I am certainly a weak human being. I couldn't be up here speaking tonight without God's help. And um, I could not go to a completely different country for a year away from everything that I'm used to without God's help. It's gonna be hard, guys. And I know that engineering, it's a tough major. Catherine's not gonna get through that without God's help. But because we have Jesus and we have a relationship with him, like that makes everything so much easier. His grace is sufficient for us and his power is made so perfect in our weakness. So maybe God's calling you to a strange place like Lauren. Maybe God's calling you to do something you said you would never do like me. Or maybe, God's calling you to do something you've planned to do your whole life. Whatever it is, remember the three things we learned from Gideon. We learned that God sees your part in his plan. God will lead you to your part in his plan. And that God will be glorified through your part in his plan. It's not your job to come up with a plan. But it is your job to be obedient to God's plan. We hope that you've enjoyed the message today and that it will be a source of encouragement to you this week. At Champion Forest Baptist Church, we desire to help people make sense out of life through Christ-centered living. And that's because with Christ, we have hope and true satisfaction. The Bible clearly states that all men have offended God by worshiping things He created instead of Him. We have chosen to reject His authority in our life and look for satisfaction in things He created instead of Him, which is ultimately pointless given that He is truly the only thing that can satisfy us completely. He is the perfection of everything we seek. The problem is, though, that once we have sinned against Him by turning to these other things, a gap is created between us, not allowing us to access Him anymore to find this satisfaction. God's character demands that our rebellion be accounted for before He forgives us. And this is the beauty of the message of Jesus. Christ is perfect in every way. He never rebelled against God, and He took upon our punishment on Himself so that we could be reconciled to God and be fully satisfied in Him, gaining eternal life. We need Jesus because without Him we are without hope, both in this life and for eternity. Turn to Christ alone for forgiveness and find satisfaction fully in our great God. Once again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon.